0: In store for a treat! Wow, the whole army of teachers—that'll work every time. Before Brother Larry and Brother Philip came, I preached a message about what we might expect from revival. I think it's always good to know what we're looking for, what what it is we want from revival, and the things that we uh, found out is that we wanted God to move in our midst. We wanted God to to fill us with His Spirit. We wanted to be empowered to live holy lives. We wanted to be enabled to, to pray the way that the Lord wants us to pray. We wanted to begin realizing that we are the ones responsible, that we are the ones responsible for the lost people out there. We are the ones responsible for this church that we are the ones who are responsible for our nation. I want to ask you, were your expectations fulfilled? And if your expectations from revival were not fulfilled, whose fault was it? Were you blessed? Did God speak to your heart in music and in the word? Did he cause change in your life? Did he get you on the different track that Brother Larry spoke about? And if not, whose fault was it? We continue on with our revival. I pray that it's going to continue on for years to come. But the first thing we need to realize is something I mentioned, and that is our biology has got to catch up with our theology. The lives we live... It's got to get caught up with what we claim to believe. Now, so far this year, we've been talking about our theme of the the year is that we are here to make disciples, but we can't make a single disciple until we ourselves become a disciple. So we've been talking about the trademarks, the characteristics of spirit-filled believers. And I've mentioned to you before that one of the trademarks of a spirit-filled believer is that he or she is filled with the love of God, the love of God for everyone. And I believe that Brother Larry really expanded on that and said, you know what, we're to love everyone, regardless of where they are in their life, no no, no matter how deep in sin they are, we're to love them regardless. They're people created in the image of God, just distorted in the image by sin. But we also talked about the fact that another trademark is, is that God's people are filled with joy. Regardless of what's going on around them, they're filled with joy. They know they have reason to rejoice. They have reason to be excited about what God is doing in them and through them for the kingdom glory. But I believe that if we took a poll today to identify what it is people want the most, What it is that people want the most out of life, it would probably include things like good health. It would probably include things like um, financial security. It would probably include things like positive relationships, rewarding work, and all those things, who can argue with those? Those are all great things to look forward to. But if you think about it for just a moment, there is an underlying need beneath every single one of those. Beneath every single one of those needs is a deeper desire for personal peace. Think about it. People diet and exercise because they want to avoid poor health. Why do they want to avoid poor health? Because illness would threaten their peace. Amen? People work, and they save their money, and they invest their money to avoid financial hardship. Why do they want to avoid financial hardship? Because poverty would upset their peace. Amen? People enter into relationships with people they like. I'm not in a very close relationship with anybody I don't like. Amen? Why do I enter into relationships with people that I like? Because I want those relationships to bring peace, not conflict. So in other words, one of the strongest motives behind the way we live is this desire for personal peace. That happens to be the next fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. The next characteristic of the Spirit-filled believer. But let me ask you this. Does it work? Do all of our efforts for peace bring that peace we desire so much? I think, yeah. If we work hard, we're probably going to have a little bit of financial security. If I diet and exercise, I'm going to enjoy some degree of good health. If I make relationships with people that I like, then I'm probably going to be able to avoid some degree of conflict. But if you think about it, we're only going to have peace to a limited extent. We're only going to have peace uh, for a limited time. If you're lucky, if you work hard, you can keep chaos at bay in your life. If you work hard enough at it, you can do that, at least for a while. But I don't have to tell you that eventually, one of these days, something is going to break through. One of these days, something you can't control is going to break through into your life. One of these days, something you don't anticipate is going to bomb you and come into your life. And then that carefully constructed world of peace that you worked so hard to build is going to come crashing down. Sometimes it happens without warning. Sometimes you get a pink slip and your world is suddenly turned upside down. Sometimes a sudden illness will come upon you. Upside down she goes. Sometimes there's a fire in your home and it changes your life. Sometimes there's an arrest in the family. Sometimes there's an emotional breakdown. All these things without warning. But sometimes it develops over time. A slowly deteriorating marriage can steal your peace a prolonged stock market slide that starts getting into your savings? How about a medical condition that keeps getting worse and worse and worse? Can it not rob your peace? And not only that, but we live in a very dangerous world. We live in a very unpredictable world. We're all constantly at risk from things like wars. We're constantly at risk from things like terrorist attacks. We're all constantly um, at risk from things like natural disasters. And all of that threatens our peace. But you know, This is not a new phenomenon. This is not something that just happened in our generation. The Old Testament tells a story of a great man. A great man named Job who lived thousands and thousands of years ago. Now, Job was a very prosperous man. Job was well respected. Job enjoyed good health. Job had lots of kids. Amen? And one day, it fell all apart. His livestock, where they measured wealth that day, were all stolen. His sons and his daughters, every one of them, were killed in a freak accident all at one time. Then he began to develop this And his wife and his buddies, instead of supporting him, they viciously attacked him. In response, Job expressed much grief. And he said this. What I feared has come upon me. What I have dreaded has happened to me. What do you think it was? I have no peace. I have no quietness. I have no rest, but I only have turmoil. Have you ever felt like that? No peace in your life? You ever felt like you had no quietness, no rest, only turmoil? Have you ever experienced Design your lives to be that way. The Bible clearly states that God's will for his people is not emotional turmoil. His will for you is not fear. His will for you is not anxiety. God's will for his people is, what do you think it is? Say it. Peace. He wants you to enjoy peace in your lives. Listen to these scriptures: the Lord gives strength to His people; the Lord blesses His people with peace. Psalm chapter twenty-nine. Psalm chapter eighty-five says, "I will listen to what the Lord God will say, for He promises; He promises peace to His people, His saints." So, if God wants all this peace for our lives, why are so few people seeing and experiencing that peace? Even among Christians, it seems like it's so rare to meet somebody who enjoys a solid, lasting, genuine peace in their lives. You know, that kind of peace that sustains them through good times and bad. That kind of peace that keeps them uplifted, uplifted, regardless of whether they're joyful or sorrow. That kind of peace that comes even in triumph and in failure. This morning, I'm going to suggest an answer to that question. Where's the And after that, I'm going to offer you four quick principles that come straight from the Bible that will help you to get on the path to personal peace. Now, the biggest reason that I have found why most people fail to find lasting peace is because they're looking in the wrong place. Amen? They're looking in the wrong place. They're seeking peace In pleasant circumstances. As long as the circumstances are pleasant, I can enjoy peace. Wrong place to look for it. They think that they will eliminate the source of pain. If they can somehow eliminate the source of conflict, then they will have peace. But there's two fatal flaws with that idea. First of all, as I mentioned earlier, it ain't possible. Okay? Okay? it's not possible for all of our circumstances to be pleasant all the time. We don't control the chaotic forces that come against us in our lives. We might succeed for a while, but eventually something's going to come into our lives that's going to burst that little bubble of yours. We need a peace. A peace that's not dependent on circumstances. Just listen to these verses that describe peace. Jesus said as... Uh, brother Chad shared with us I told you these things so that in me you may have peace in this world you're gonna have trouble you're gonna have trouble but take heart I have overcome the world the apostle Paul says now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace get this though all the time and in every way God wants you to have He wants you to enjoy peace. But if your peace is built on the shifting sands of circumstances, it ain't going to last. But if your peace is grounded in a relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, it will stand the test of time. There's a second fatal flaw with seeking peace in pleasant circumstances. And that is, this is something you need to know. If you're listening, say amen. Amen. Peace is internal, not external. Peace is internal. So any successful effort to try to find true peace has got to focus on what's going on on the inside, not what's happening all around you. So if you're lacking peace in your life, look on the inside, don't look on the outside. Because God's peace triumphs even in the midst of difficult circumstances. So understanding that, let's look at these four principles I mentioned that might put you on the path to finding personal peace. The first one is uh, pretty obvious and straightforward. You've got to put your trust in God. You have got to put your trust in God. So often we experience worry, we experience anxiety. Why? Because we've placed our confidence in things that we know. We know good and well they're going to fail. So many times we place our confidence in things we know good and well are not completely reliable. So many times we place all of our confidence in something we know good and well has failed us in the past and will likely fail us again in the future. So many people place their future in the hands of an organization like their workplace, their employer. They place their uh, future in a government agency like Social Security. By the way, i got news for you on that one, amen? Be careful about that one. So many people place their future in a a labor union or a hospital or even a church. We depend on things like a retirement plan. We depend on things like mutual uh, savings bonds and mutual funds. We trust our education. We trust our experience. We trust our own competence to supply our needs. We depend upon our friends. We depend solely upon our family. And I know that we do have to to lean on those things a little bit. But here's the key. Here's the key. Our ultimate dependence had better be on God and not on man. Your ultimate source of dependence better be on God or your world is going to come crashing down one day. And you will have no peace. He's the one that's in control. He is the one that we're trusting with our safety. He's the one we're trusting with our well-being of us and our family. So to find true and lasting peace, you've got to trust in God completely and absolutely. The Bible says that some trust in chariots, some in horses. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Now, I have neither a chariot nor a horse. Okay? However, I know that if I'm placing my confidence, if I'm depending upon my chariot, that that wheel's going to break one day. I know that if I'm depending on that horse, that one of these days, that horse's going to come up lame. Amen? The only one I can trust is God. He's the one that always comes through every single time. I challenge you to look back on your life, to look back into your history and see one time where God has failed you. To declare one time where God has let you down. Because I'm telling you, you're here today, that's the evidence he ain't never let you down. He's never let you better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes, to trust in presidents, to trust in pastors, to trust in husbands or wives. Trust in God. Trust in God. Now here's a second principle for you, for personal peace. And this one's going to be a challenge for you. You want personal peace? Confess your sins. What? You see, as you know, we all sin. Amen? A bunch of sinners. (laughs) We all sin, and we all sin daily. Amen? We sin with our words. We sin with our deeds. We sin with our attitudes. We sin by doing things we ain't got no business doing. And we sin by not doing the things we ought to be doing. And we all sin every day. Well, let me tell you something. When we sin, it creates this separation between God and his people. It creates this separation between us, and that separation robs you of peace. So, how do I get my peace back? How do I close that separation? The Bible says clearly that if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, that God is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. I'm glad that verse is in there. Because to me that sounds easy enough. Amen. Confess my sin to him, God I'm a sinner. Now I'm all clean and ready to go at it again. True or false? You better false. Let me tell you about the biggest problem that I think keeps us devoid of the peace we seek. Most every Christian will admit that we're our sinner. I do that real easy. I know, I'm a sinner. I'm weak, I'm a man, I'm a human being, I'm a sinner. But will I acknowledge a specific sin in my life? That's a horse of a different color. That's a horse of a different color. Most Christians will freely confess the basic truth that all humans are sinners. But we have a real problem owning up to any sins in particular. In theory, we admit that we are sinners. But in practice, really, we're denying it. Some Christians are indeed broken and they humbly confess their individual sins to God. But others try to justify their sins. God, I wouldn't have cussed him out if he didn't cuss me out first. They try to justify their sins. Others try to shift the blame. The devil made me do it. Right? Others try to rationalize their sin. Well, God, you know I'm just a human being. I'm going to sin. You know I am try to make excuses. It's too hard to live a holy life, Lord. So I'm giving up to make excuses. And let me tell you what, that's a real dangerous place to be. Where you justify your sin and shift the blame and rationalize your sin and make excuses for your sin that's a dangerous place to be be because you're denying what you claim to believe that you need to confess your sins to God do we really believe ourselves to be sinners if we're not confessing our sin to God God's people said in Psalm verse chapter 130, if you O Lord should keep account of my sin if you O Lord were to treat me according to my sin, Lord who in the world could stand but there's forgiveness with you that you may be reverentially feared and worshipped We should have no qualms about confessing our sins to our Father. He already knows it, amen? That's what I tell the kids. You might as well go ahead and tell him. He already knows what you're doing or not doing. I mean, if you're truly confessing your sins and seeking forgiveness, I mean, if we truly embrace the free grace of God, then we understand that we're accepted because of Christ alone. You're not accepted because of anything you can do or not do. You're accepted into God's kingdom because of what Jesus has already done for you in your stead, in your place. There's nothing you can do, good or bad, to change God's opinion of you. He loves you to pieces. Say, He loves me to pieces. He loves me to pieces. Jesus Christ has forgiven me of my sins. The ones from yesterday the ones today, and those ones tomorrow. He's forgiven me of all the sin, and as his child, I can be honest with God. I can be upfront with the Lord, confess my sins to him without the fear of being condemned. I don't have to hide it. I can come to him and freely confess that, knowing that he's going to wrap his arms around me and say, I'm going to clean you up, son. Now get going. get sin no more. I don't have to worry about being condemned. Can I tell you that that is such a liberating truth to know that there's nothing on my own that I can do just accept the perfect righteousness of Christ. Here he died for our sins. Let us freely confess our sins. So if that's the case, I want you to know that sin can rob you of peace. It can rob you of peace because it creates a separation between you and God. So why don't you come to Jesus? Why don't you come to Christ? He stands and waits. He constantly is ready to forgive. He's ready to restore you into the fellowship. And he'll do it the moment that you turn to him. So why don't you come and experience the blessing that is recorded in Psalm chapter 32. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. Whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him. And in whose spirit there is no deceit. Man. What a blessing. What a liberating truth. But you know what? I have to tell you this too. That if you choose and refuse to change if you choose to continue in your sin, if you choose to continue in your rebellion, the Bible gives you a very sober warning. The Bible says, but the wicked are like a tossing sea, which cannot rest. A tossing sea it has no peace. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. Now here's the problem. We churchgoers, We don't see ourselves as wicked, and I do. Do it. But if you don't have any peace, I want to submit to you that it may be because there's sin in your life that is separating you from your God. And you need to confess that sin and repent, turn away from that sin, and get on a different track. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. The fact of the matter is, friend, there will be no rest here or in eternity for those who refuse to acknowledge their sin. We need to know that. Now here's a third principle for you. A third principle for personal peace. And that is we need to learn to treasure the right things. Treasure the right things. So often we lack peace. Why? Because we've set our hearts on things that can't last. And if something can be taken away from me, then there's a potential for me to lose my peace. We can't help but be anxious, knowing that something can be taken from us at any moment. But you know what? Jesus instructs us to do otherwise. He instructs us this way. He says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures here. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where a a thief can come in and steal it from you. Instead, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither rot, moth or rust destroy or where the thieves not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If it can be taken from you, I want to say to you, you will lack peace. So what do we got to ask? What is it that God values? What is it that has eternal value? What is it that God is going to reward? Well, we know that God values and rewards things that last through eternity. Let me give you a couple suggestions. Things like obedience. Obedience will last through eternity, faith will last through eternity. Acts of service, God will reward. Godly character, God values. Truth, truth, God values. Sacrifice, mercy, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control, God values and God rewards. So are you devoting yourself to things that God values? Things that have eternal value? If you are, then you ain't got a thing to worry about. Because all the things that you really love, the things that you really are devoted to are going to be right there waiting for you when you get there, safe and secure in God's ball, so to speak. But on the other hand, if you're devoting your life to things of this world, the temporary things, the things that moth will destroy, Rust will destroy and thieves can steal. If your heart is tied up in worldly things, you've got real good reason to be worried. If your heart and life is tied up in worldly things, you've got great reason to be anxious. Because those things can be taken from you at a moment's notice. So do you want to have peace? Do you want that personal peace I've been talking about? Then I want to encourage you to read the Bible, see what it is that God values, see those things that have eternal value, and then devote yourself to seeking those things. Treasure the right things. Your fourth and final principle for personal peace is a real simple one. Pray. I know I sound like a broken record. I've been talking a lot about communicating with God lately. I've been talking a lot about prayer lately. Is prayer the answer to everything? I'm asking. So all I gotta do is pray about it. And I don't have to do nothing. Huh? Huh? Lord, I pray that that person, that lost person will be saved. Oh, thank the Lord. True or false? So prayer is not the answer to everything. There's more to it than that. But is it a part of everything? Absolutely it is. Because prayer is Is absolutely essential to being, say, being, to being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And you can't make one until you are one. And you can't be a disciple unless you're praying and communicating with God our Father. So whether your need is for power, whether your need is for healing or hope or peace, prayer is a critical critical ingredient. I cannot overstate enough how important prayer is in the life of a disciple. Ain't got no peace? Well, maybe you had not prayed lately. (laughs) Ain't got no prayer? Or ain't got no peace? Maybe your prayer life is lacking. Sometimes We lack peace, and it's simply because we haven't prayed. You've stewed about it. You've worried yourself sick about it. You have schemed about it. You've what if about it. Anybody here ever what if? You've talked to all your friends about it. Maybe even talked to your pastor about it. But still, you got no peace. I've done everything I know to do, but I got no peace. Well, Paul gave us, I believe, a command a command for the disciple. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, and I believe it's up there on the screen, Paul wrote, Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And get this, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and guard your mind in Christ Jesus. You want peace? How about praying a little? Perhaps all that needs to happen is for you to experience God's peace by bowing your head and taking your concerns to God in prayer. Certainly part of it. But let me say this clearly. You'll receive no peace because of anything you did. Why? Because peace comes from God. God brings peace. You don't get peace from things. You don't get peace from bank accounts. You don't get peace from circumstances. You don't get peace from people. God brings peace. Say that with me. God brings peace. You didn't get a single word I said. Other than that, you will not have left here God brings peace. So if you lack peace, seek it in God. If you desire more peace in your life, why don't you just give it a rest and give it to God? He will keep you in perfect peace. He whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever for the Lord is the rock. The rock don't move is the rock of May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust reminder notes, and all those other things, Dan has this prayer on our preaching. It's entitled the Serenity Prayer, and many of you have heard the first part of it, but I'm going to call it we just declare with one unified voice that we trust in you for our peace. Lord, we're willing to confess our own personal sins in particular to close the gap that our sin created between you and us. Father, we pray that you would teach us to treasure the right things i all stand. Let's sing. Why did